0: Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This almost amounts to the question, why? Why did this happen? Why did you delay? It's a question that is frequently, if not on our lips, at least in our hearts and on our minds. Even today, why, Lord? We had our plan. Why did it not work out? Lord, we're trying to do a good thing. Why was there an accident? Why was there traffic? Why this? Why that? And those echoes of why torture us in our minds and in our hearts. Because ultimately, what we we want is not an explanation. What we want is comfort. To know that the Lord's taking care of us. Very often, a child will ask, why ad nauseum? And what the child's seeking in addition to an explanation, in addition to information and knowledge, is an embrace. We want God not to just say, this is why this terrible thing happened to you. This is why your plans didn't work out. What we actually want is for him to say, this is what I'm going to do. The better question to ask, rather than why, is what? What, Lord, are you doing in this? And then how? How can I work with you and not against you? You see, some of the worst things that have ever happened to us, they're legitimately and totally bad. But they're not beyond what God can do to show his glory, his mercy, and his love. Sometimes he has to let something die before he can breathe new life into it. And that's the case so often in our lives. We're, we're just clinging. It has to be this way and only this way. My plans, they have to work out because I know that this is going to make me happy. And the Lord says, let it, let it die. Because in me, there is ever a new life. You might think, why that relationship? Why was there a breakdown? Or why did we grow distant? And God says, let some things die so that I can bring new life into you and into that other person. We could waste our time asking, why are we not at the shepherd's field right now? Or we can say, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here right now. Because this is so fitting. That when we were at the Jordan River, that place where the Lord initiated that sacrament that would bring us from death to life. Now we are in the place where he raised Lazarus from death to life and where we can bring to him all that is dead in us. All of those things that maybe we've mourned. We could say, Lord, breathe whatever kind of new life you want into this. Breathe new life into me and those, those parts of me that have been really made dead through disconnection from you those parts of me that have been made dead because I don't want to go there because it hurts when I do. Breathe new life into that. Because we all have all these tombs in our hearts. And we say, don't roll away that stone. There's going to be a stench, Lord. I don't want you to enter there because there is where the worst part of me lives. And he says, roll away the stone and come forth. Come out of that tomb and into life. That's what happens in the most glorious, spectacular way in baptism, but it's what's meant to happen in all of our heartfelt prayers. Because our prayers are meant to be Jericho as well. You see, we just passed by. And we were at the area where somewhere those walls were that then fell down. But that really shows us the heart of prayer. Because life has wounded us in so many ways. And every wound becomes a little fortress. Where we build up these walls and we say, no one will come here because I don't want to be hurt again. Around that wound we might have a false belief. Right? It might be that we've been hurt. Maybe it was our father figure. Someone in authority hurt us. We say, I can't trust. I can't trust anybody who has great power because they're going to use it against me. We have that belief, and then we have a vow. And that vow might go something like, I'm never going to let myself be hurt again. I'm never going to open myself up. I can never trust. And the Lord wants to break down those walls. That vow, that belief, and he wants to get to that wound and say, come out of that tomb. I want to meet you here. Whatever was bad before, I want to make good. You've been asking why, and it's been killing you. Ask me now what I can do in you, for you, through you, and how you can work with me. And then what does that look like? What does it look like to let the Lord work through us? First, it's that honest prayer. That merry side of things, of sitting at his feet and saying, here's my heart, it's all messed up, it's the muddy side of the Jordan, it's not the clear side. And letting him reconquer that heart, letting him tear down some of those walls, roll away that stone, have you walk forth into the light of his love. But then when that contemplative side of things, once we've sat in that for some time, then we move to the action. And there we have to be disciples, real, true disciples. And that's why I love that today we were thinking about the shepherd's field. And we got to see shepherds. And, And you see, shepherds here are not like what we think of shepherds. We often think of shepherds as just, you know, lazily just leading their cattle to these green pastures. And they just sit down and eat chocolate and drink milk and read books. And what we saw was not that we saw men on the move. And we saw that a a a shepherd, and we have a very good shepherd, he moves his sheep from place to place, not from comfort to comfort, but from this little patch of green to this other patch of green, through rocks and crags, and the only way that those sheep survive is if they stay as close to the shepherd as possible. When we read that in the Psalm 23, when we read that it is to green pastures that he's led me, it's not this life of lounging around. It's the adventure of following close on the heels of the shepherd, trusting him in the darkness, knowing that he is taking me to where I will find what I need to survive and not only survive, but thrive. And so there's a lot of contemplation that happens in our lives, but a lot of active pursuit of the Lord's will as well. And in the midst of that, what is it that we need so much? We need rest for our souls. That's why we love that Psalm so much, don't we? Because it's that he gives us rest. He's this good shepherd and how beautiful that it's mutual. That not only does he give us rest, but we can give him rest in our hearts. I'm offering this Mass for Sister Bethany Madonna. She's a sister of life and just wonderful. And she once gave possibly the most beautiful talk to priests that I've ever heard. And in it she mentioned that she chose the name Bethany because that's where Jesus went to rest. And she wanted her heart and her life to be a place where Jesus can always rest. And how beautiful that that gives us mutual rest. That in my active pursuit of his will and all of the adventure that that entails, I can then retreat back to my heart and see the Lord there resting, enjoying himself, smiling, cracking a joke. They're ready to bring new life to me so that I can then go back to the adventure of following his will through the twists and turns of my life. So we bring before the Lord all that is dead within us, asking for new life. All those situations and all those people that we know that maybe have given up. Every temptation we've had to despair that this person will believe, that this person will find freedom. Freedom an addiction and we realize that not only did the Lord say come forth out of the tomb but then he said untie him and let him go and so in a special way here we pray for every impossible situation we have every part of our heart we haven't shown to the Lord every person that might think that they are too far gone for his love everything that binds them and that binds us we bring to the Lord so that he can proclaim with authority, untie them and let them go, so that he who is the resurrection and the life may breathe new life into us as well.